Hi, welcome to the Northwest Woodworking Studio podcast. This is Gary Rogowski. And today's topic is which wood? Why? Wood choice. How do we make these decisions? So, you've got a project in mind. You're going to build a coffee table, let's say. And uh, the uh, idea came to you in a dream. Uh, you stole the idea from somebody. You bought a set of plans, whatever. You've got to choose which wood you're going to use to build this particular table. And there's all these factors that come into play. There is the hardness of the material you choose. There's the color of it. There's the grain of it. There's the workability. And then it's how, how does it take a finish? So all of these are factors that your choice of wood will uh, impact your working the piece, building the piece, and how it looks and, and uh, lasts over time. So, let's start with hardness. You know, of course, that there's a difference between hardwoods and softwoods, and it's not hardness. No, in fact, it is how the seed is carried. So, balsa is a hardwood. Say what? Balsa is a hardwood, and uh, it's simply a question of if the seed is carried by, say, a fruit, like an apple, or a pear, uh, or if it's in a nut, like an acorn, uh, if the seed is encapsulated, it's a hardwood. It's an angiosper. Uh, if the seeds are free to just go and spread themselves, then it's a gymnosperm. It is a considered a softwood. Now, there are some softwoods that are really dang hard. They were work southern yellow pine. You know what I'm talking about. Or try and put a screw into fur, and you'll see dug fur, the drill bit will just slip off that late wood, um, those hard lines. So hardwood, softwood is a distinction, but um, you can actually get a sense of the hardness of a material by referring to a scale. It's called a Janka, J-A-N-K-A, Janka scale. And it's a uh, fluorine hardness scale. And uh, this man named Janka figured out a test to determine how uh, how tough, how hard a material is. And it's pretty surprising because, um, what is it, red pine is harder than birch. Softwood being harder than hardwood. You know, people say, well, you know, maybe it's how the, the leaves, you know, if it loses leaves, it's deciduous. But, you know, metasequoia is a dawn redwood and it loses its leaves. So just think about how the seed is carried. All right, so we've got our wood picked out, whatever it may be. Now, um, what about the color? That's going to impact the piece. It's going to impact how it looks. You know, we're in the brown family, some reds, some yellows, uh, but generally in the brown family of tones uh, when it comes to wood. And how is that going to impact the piece? Well, here's something you need to know about wood. It's going to change colors. It changes colors over time. There's oxidation that, that occurs as soon as you mill the wood. Mill up a piece of eastern cherry, put a piece of masking tape on it, set it out in the sun, pull it off at the end of the day, you're going to see a color difference. The wood that's been hit has darkened considerably more than the part that was underneath that piece of masking tape. So there's oxidation that's going on. Sunlight affects pieces um, as soon as you uh, stop working it. So your orange paduke, andaman paduke that you bought is going to turn brown over time. I'm sorry, there's nothing you can do to stop that process. Um, and so you need to think about uh, this stuff 
and do a little research. So your redwoods, like mahogany, uh, kaya, these sorts of woods, uh, cherry, uh, which starts out salmon pink, goes darker over time, gets redder over time. Um, but you start with a wood like walnut that starts dark brown, it gets lighter over time. Hmm. And then you take light-colored woods like maple or beech or birch, and they tend to go yellow over time as the sun hits them. I'll tell you a story, a quick story. I was uh, doing a repair job on a piece. It was a cherry break front. I'd built it 20 years before. And uh, the, the folks had called me over to do some uh, repair on the finish. I, there was some uh, lead crystal uh, candle holders, and they'd left a black stain on the wood, and that's... I got them, got them out. That's a subject for another podcast down the road. Uh, a bit of alchemy and chemistry can remove those black stains. Anyway, uh, I looked at the doors on the bottom part of the uh, cabinet because I had to go into the... There's a hidden compartment down there. I'm not going to tell you where the piece is, so you're not going to be able to get into this. But there was a hidden compartment there, and there were double doors. And I opened the double doors, and I see this little triangle of darkness. And I thought, well, that's weird. There's this kind of, I don't know, like a knot right here or something. It's so much darker than the rest of the wood inside this cabinet. And I looked at it and I went, that's not a knot. And I stared at it, and the more I stared at it, I went, it's a triangle. It's a, it's a you know, pretty acute triangle, pretty narrow. And then I realized it was the sunlight that had managed to go through the doors and just hit this one little section throughout the day, uh, or maybe just for an hour a day, and suntan it just a little bit more than the other sections. Pretty interesting. So, wood colors. you got to count on it. Uh, and then the finish you put on the wood will also make a difference. So if you use any kind of oil or oil varnish, anything with linseed oil in it, tongue oil to a certain extent, uh, you're going to get a yellowing over time. You may not notice that in walnut, but you will most certainly notice it in uh, maple or uh, birch, beech, those sorts of woods. Uh, and that's, and that's going to make a difference. Okay, so there's hardness as an issue, and then there's color, and the color is going to change. Okay. Well, what about grain? How does that affect my decision on as to which wood I want to use? Well, there's a number of different types of grain. And basic three, basically three categories that we can uh, refer to. There are ring-porous woods, like uh, oak, elm, ash. Pores are quite visible. You can see them uh, with the naked eye on the end grain. Uh, and then there are semi-ring-porous woods. Woods, uh, the pores are there, but it's a little bit harder to see on the end grain. You can certainly see it in the... Uh, face grain of, of a piece. Walnut is one. Mahogany is another. The pores are visible. Uh, and then there are diffuse porous woods like maple and cherry, um, beech, where the pores are really hard to see until you put color on them, put a stain on them or something. So those are the three basic categories. All right, so let's say I'm going to go with a, a ring porous wood. Uh, a ring porous wood like red oak, uh, has really distinct differences between the what's called the early wood and the late wood. The early wood grows at the first part of the growing season, and so it's a fairly soft part of the of the tree. The late wood happens in the latter part of the growing season. And in um, red and white oak, uh, the 
early wood is, is very porous. In fact, in red oak, it's so porous you can blow bubbles through it. <laughs> it's crazy. The first guy who made a, a wine uh, barrel out of red oak was very distraught because all his wine was dripping out. Okay? So white oak was the preferred uh, oak to use for uh, wine barrels because there's these things called tyloses that fill up the cells, cell walls and prevent moisture exchange. So, uh, or impede the flow of water. So, ring porous woods have a very visible uh, grain structure. Um, woods like walnut, mahogany, you can feel it. If you haven't filled the surface, you can feel the porosity. Uh, but other woods like the diffuse porous woods like maple and beech and birch, you really notice it when you put finish on because then you see, oh, well, that's blotchy. Why is it so blotchy? Well, it's because of the porosity. It's different in different sections of the, of the board. So you've got to make a choice. Do I want a wood with a, a visible pore structure, grain structure, uh, like white oak or red oak? Sometimes that's preferable. When I build my uh, stool project, the Rogowski stool, uh, I like a wood with a, a real visible uh, grain structure. I like the lines following the lines of the of the leg or the lines of the seat. I think it helps call out the design. So I think that's a useful thing. Um, but there are other times when you want a wood to be more restrained. For years, all I used was cherry because I wanted the form of the piece to stand out more than the grain. I didn't want the grain fighting with the form of the piece. So you, see the, you see a nice piece and it's built out of flat sawn red oak and you go, eh, it's too bad because it's that grain can be uh, so visible, it's shouting for, for your attention rather than the form of the piece. All right. So I've got um, those choices. And then there's a matter of how is the wood cut? So the wood, you know, you take your log to the sawmill, and they're going to cut it up a certain way. And there's three different cuts, and you can buy, if you're lucky, one wide board and have all three of those patterns in there. Here they are. Flat sawn. A flat sawn board, if you look at the end grain, you'll see the growth rings in a series of concentric circles, smiling or frowning at you. Uh, and if you look at the uh, face grain, you'll see a series of uh, cathedrals uh, or f a flame pattern. That's a flat sawn board or plain saw. Flat sawn or plain saw are used interchangeably. Um, and next to that will be material where, if you look at the end grain again, the growth rings are going at sort of an angle, and that's called rift sawn. And if you get out at the edge of the board, the growth rings are vertical, and that's called quarter sawn. So we have flat sawn, rift sawn, and quarter sawn. And a quarter sawn board will show on the face nice straight lines, straight growth rings. On the edge, it'll show that flame pattern because it's flat sawn on the, on the edge. Rift sawn will show straight lines on both the face and the edge. So you have that choice. And for my money, when I'm building a, a coffee table, I want the legs out of rift sawn and I want the top out of flat sawn, generally. And I can pick that out of my wood and cut it because I'm the sawyer when I'm cutting. 
when I'm milling out my stock. I can choose that material or when I'm picking it out at the yard. So that's a decision that you need to make as well. How? What's the cut of the wood? This also affects how the wood moves. So once you cut down a tree, it immediately starts losing moisture. And it starts to shrink around the growth rings. So if you have a flat sawn board with its concentric growth rings, uh, it tends to move about twice as much across its width than in its thickness. So if you have a one-inch thick board, it tends to move twice as much across the width than between the growth rings. I used to go to the lumberyard. I was such a knucklehead. I used to go to the lumberyard, and I'd look for the round dowel because you'd find all this oval dowel. And I really was dumb. I thought, oh, well, this oval dowel, they don't know how to make dowel. No, knucklehead, the round dowel will go oval over time if it sits out there long enough because the growth rings in one direction are moving more than the growth rings are in another. And so they're either expanding or, contraction, or contracting, and your round dowel will go oval over time. So you'll have to resize it is what, what it comes down to. So wood moves. If you listen to our first podcast, we can agree on that as woodworkers. Wood moves. Are you going to pay attention to it or not? So um, flats on wood tends to move about twice as much as quarter saw material. It's harder to get quarter saw material out of your uh, log, and it's, it takes more time, more turning, more effort, and so it's usually more expensive, but it's a more stable material. Quarter sawn material can also be quite beautiful. Quarter sawn white oak will have a, what's called a ray fleck, so the medullary ray pattern will be more visible in quarter sawn white oak than in other quarter sawn materials. CVG fir. Clear vertical grain fir. You don't see any in that ray cell pattern, but it still can be quite beautiful. Um, so the cut of the wood will impact the design as well and movement issues. Um, workability is another, uh, another factor. How is it going to be to work this stuff? So I decide I'm going to use a ring porous red oak, and I'm going to sand the crap out of it. Yeah, I love sanding. I love how it feels. Well, you know, when you sand red oak, there's a real difference between the early wood and the late wood. The wood that grows in the first part of the season, which is soft, and the late wood, which grows in the latter part of the season, which is hard. And what you end up with is a rippled surface. Ooh, who knew? Try sanding a piece of fur. Same thing is going to happen. Because it's a ring-porous wood, and there's a real difference. Go out to the beach and get a piece of driftwood, and you'll see how the early wood gets sandblasted away. So if you're sanding... Um, you don't end up with a really flat surface. And then if you use a semi-ring porous wood, if you do a lot of sanding, you'll have a lot of pores. A lot of uh, furniture makers end up using a grain filler to fill those pores if you have more of a glassy surface. Diffuse porous wood's not so much of an issue. Uh, your sanding is going to um, be fairly consistent in touch. Uh, and actually, when we're talking about finish, uh, you can fill those pores with uh, sanding, dust, and, uh, and an oil finish. It feels great. So your choice of material in, uh, can make a difference in, in how it works. Um, so the workability of the material will make a, major, make a huge difference. So if I want to hand plane my surface, I could use Wengi. <laughs> 
um, I could use, uh, you know, Shedua or, you know, Rosewood or something, something really hard. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work. I could use a piece of uh, uh, red alder and get some really lovely grain, not flashy, uh, and, and be able to work it easily and sand it put a finish on it and it's going to accept that very very evenly so that can make a difference in your choice of material as well finish is an area of of concern Um, the uh, ring porous woods absorb more finish in the porous areas than they do in the in the late wood so that's that's an issue if you're staining if you're using a pigment based stain because the pigments are fairly large and they fill up that pore structure it can look in my opinion not great in a ring porous wood. Um, in a diffuse porous wood like cherry, you'll see a blotchiness sometimes. You just put an oil on it, you'll see a blotchiness because the grain is like a like porpoises diving up and down. As they come up to the surface, there's they're very porous and they dive back down and they get less porous. And so absorption is different. Um, and so there are tricks for dealing with that. But your choice of material will make a difference uh, in that uh, right at the outset. So how you choose your material, uh, what are the criteria that are important to you, will make a difference for you down the road. This is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Check us out, northwestwoodworking.com. Thanks.